0: Hey guys, I want to talk to you about my Takovas cowboy boots. I picked them up while I was in Austin, Texas. I had this event I had to go to that night. It was a formal thing. I had this idea of what I was going to wear, but I needed the one extra thing. And I was like, aha, Tacovas There's a Tacovas here in Austin. The dudes who worked at the store were great. I found the exact boot I was looking for. This boot is called the Dylan. I got it in midnight black. I wore them to this formal event I had on a suit, and then tonight, I'm going to wear them with jeans to my son's baseball game. These things are amazing cowboy boots. They're super comfortable, and I can tell already that they're going to last for a long time. A couple things you can do here to check out Tecovis. If you can, stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two. The experience is awesome. You can shop all the new styles you're going to smell that fresh leather in the store. The friendly staff are going to be at your service. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make you feel like a rock star. A lot of the Tecova stores have these leather custom branding services to make your boots truly personalized. They put on regular live music and events. It's an awesome in-store experience. So if you have the opportunity to check out a Takova store, I highly recommend it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tecovis.com. That's T E C O V A S. Com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Disgraceland is brought to you by Disgraceland All Access. Disgraceland All Access membership is your chance to support the show and get ad-free listening, an exclusive scripted episode every month and exclusive bonus content every week, plus access to an always-on chat with me and your fellow discos. Visit disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. Hey, discos. Need a little more Disgraceland in your life? Just a touch to get you through? Yeah, me too. This is the podcast that comes after the podcast. Welcome to Disgraceland, the after party. Welcome to the Disgraceland bonus episode, a little thing we like to call the after party. This is the show after the show, the party after the party, the bridge to get you from one full episode of Disgraceland to the other, the backyard to dig into the dirt. On this episode, we're talking about Graham Parsons, Knives Out and Glass Onion, an incredible live Elvis Presley set, a David Bowie and Stevie Ray Vaughan beef, and of course, your voicemails, texts, and DMs. We got a ton of previously unreleased Disgraceland content and a whole lot of Rosie to round us out. All right, discos, let's get into it. Happy January, everybody. We are two weeks in. Are you resolved? Are you dry? Are you sober? Have you abandoned your New Year's resolutions yet? Are you currently back on the sauce and giving up your dry January if you even pledged one to begin with? I am Resolved, if not dry. Resolved to bring back the greatest music and true crime podcast on the planet. And you know that I'm talking about Disgraceland being back and available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, still on the Amazon Music app. Disgraceland is available everywhere as of January 2023, and you know this because your feed was currently flooded with 14 previously exclusive Disgraceland episodes. Graham Parsons, David Bowie, The Ramones, Lil Peep, The New York Dolls, Lil Wayne, two-part episodes on Tupac Secure, The Beatles, Oasis, and The Notorious B.I.G. Which of these episodes are you listening to for the first time? Which of these episodes are you digging the most? Let me know on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, at DisgracelandPod, or call me at 617-966-6038 to let me know. You can text me there as well. For this After Party episode today, I'm going to be focusing a little bit on the Graham Parsons episode. Why? Because this episode, or this artist, I should say, means a lot to me. There are a few songwriters in music history who have captivated and compelled me like Graham Parsons. He was country. He was cosmopolitan. He invented alt country. He inspired the Stones, fronted the birds, attended Harvard, lived down the road from me in Cambridge, long before I lived anywhere near Cambridge, and he died in a cheap hotel in Joshua Tree and ultimately had his corpse stolen. That is a lot. That is a a big, full, robust life, even if it ended too soon. The first Graham Parsons I heard was the GP album. I saw the record in my dad's record collection when I was a freshman in college, and I recorded it onto a cassette opposite a Louis Armstrong collection, and I wore out the shit on both sides of that cassette, but mainly the GP side. Also, shout out to one of the coolest gatefolds ever. That record looked incredible. And I now obviously own the vinyl, but that cassette, it stayed with me for a while. And that record, GP, is one of those rare pieces of work where you can fully hear the artist's vision. It's completely crystallized. And Graham never came close before, and of course, he didn't live long enough to really top it, though the later posthumously released Grievous Angel has soaring works of beauty on it too. But GP... Amazing. And I love the Bird stuff that Graham did, obviously. And I love the International Submarine Band stuff as well. But as far as a record, one record, one album, one document of the artist's full creative intention, all the classic country, the cosmic Americana, the grief, the pain, all of it is fully realized on GP, as it is nowhere else for Graham Parsons. Grief, loss. They were familiar themes for Graham. For reasons that I get into in this episode of Disgraceland and that I fully dive into in the Graham Parsons chapter in my book, that theme was front and center when I wrote that chapter and much of what ended up in this episode. Grief and loss. I I had just lost my brother to suicide, and I wrote my way through that pain. It's how I found my way out. I had a book deal at the time, and I was on the hook to deliver a manuscript by the end of that year, 2018. I found myself on Martha's Vineyard that summer with my family. It was mine and my wife's second year there and what has become a tradition. And I had to work and we were staying in this house and the kids were on vacation and loud and all over the place and having fun. And you guys can relate to that. But I had nowhere to work because of that. Uh, And specifically, when I'm talking about work, I had to write that Graham Parsons chapter. I had one week to do it while I was there. And I remember driving my truck. I had a Toyota 4Runner at the time. I remember driving it into the woods. I actually removed one of those chains that they latch up to keep motorized vehicles from entering places. This one wasn't locked. I took it down. I snuck in. I entered into the secluded, drove right into the secluded wooded area on the island just outside Katama. And I sat in my truck. And I wrote most of the chapter uh, in the middle of the woods and just a torrent of emotion. Uh, And a lot of that ended up in this episode. And researching Graham Parsons and learning about his feelings, his feelings of loss specifically, it fueled me. It kind of overcame me. It definitely compelled me. Uh, Compelled isn't even a strong enough word. Uh, Strangely enough, though, there's another bizarrely personal Grand Parsons chapter in my life. Back at the end of 2010, I flew to Joshua Tree and spent a couple nights in the room that Grand Parsons died in at the Joshua Tree Inn. I thought it would be cleansing. I thought it would be some sort of spiritual thing to wash away the bad juju of a relationship that I had just been in. Boy, howdy, was I wrong. It was one of the bleakest moments of my life, and I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Lots of darkness in the music of Graham Parsons, but it is balanced out by pure moments of beauty. And I hope that comes across in the latest episode. Have a listen if you haven't already, and let me know what you think. I'll be back in a flash. All right, enough death, grief, destruction, enough of my bullshit second week of January. I hope that by now you are up to speed on the exciting changes surrounding Disgraceland. Number one, Disgraceland is once again available everywhere, wherever you get your podcast. Number two, Disgraceland is now released weekly, meaning at least one full episode on Tuesday, plus one of these bonus after-party episodes on Thursdays. Number three, we have begun the process of releasing the entire back catalog into your feeds. Over 100 episodes, 116, I believe. And this past Tuesday, a couple days ago, we released 14 previously exclusive episodes and we will be releasing more in the coming weeks more on that later number four i need to hear from you guys did you know that you can call me or text me you did this is true you knew this who are we kidding you listen to the after party so you know what's going on and you know you can hit me up at 617-906-6638 and if you do there's a good chance you'll hear your voicemail here on the after party or have your text read and get my response in the process and i also respond directly as you know right in there in the text machine so here we go. From Chicago, we received the following voicemail. Jay, Bob Blair in Chicago, longtime fan. Please talk about how Dave Matthews fan dumped an entire tour vessel of sewage on a Chicago architecture tour. We in Chicago know this to be a legendary story, but I'm worried the world doesn't know. Everyone needs to know that Dave Matthews fan dumped sewage on Chicago architecture Ferry. It's an insane story. I uh, love you. I love everything you do. Dude, I love this. I have heard a little about this story before about Dave Matthews dumping a tour bus full of sewage on top of Chicago. <laughs> uh, crazy. Uh, more, a couple other people have, have passed this story my way. Um, that wasn't meant to be a bad pun. But I, I will check this out. I'm, I'm happy to have an angle into the Dave Matthews Band to get into their history Um this sounds nuts. Maybe it's too gross. I don't know. But I will check it out. I will promise you that. From the 440, Sean from Cleveland texts the following. Charles Manson was actually born here in Cincinnati, Ohio, spent time in a reform school in Chillicothe, Ohio. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Uh, Chillicote, Ohio. And two hours from Cincinnati in a town called Lancaster, which I lived. This is Sean a texter where he lived in Lancaster, not me speaking, uh, uh, where I lived in Lancaster for a few years where William Gerritsen was born and lived there. William Gerritsen was actually the caretaker of the Cielo Drive address. He, William Gerritsen, was the one arrested and accused of the murder, and then they, then Manson and family was arrested. Uh, again, the texter is talking here still. I found it very interesting that the one accused of the murder and the mastermind of the murder was born in the same state two hours away from each other and somehow ended up in California over 2,200 miles away in one of the biggest murders ever. That's pretty wild. I love these little tidbits. I uh, I didn't know that. I did not know that at all. That William Garretson, uh, the caretaker for Sharon Tate's home, who was uh, just slept through the whole murders, uh, <laughs> which I always found to be fascinating. I think there's even another tidbit there that uh, he wasn't sleeping. Actually, he was hanging out, listening to the doors, uh, and he had the music blasting, and that's why he missed missed what happened, which is crazy. And I'm sure there's a bunch of crap surrounding that claim there. But William Garretson, the caretaker for Sharon Tate, lived in Ohio two hours down the road from where Charles Manson was born and grew up, which is, uh, yeah, kind of nuts. I love it. Thanks for sending, Sean. Okay, this is a good one that came in through through Instagram. And Coatney on Instagram writes, I know you're a Scorsese obsessive, as we all are. I got to play his script supervisor on an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm back in the day. I spent the day sitting next to him in his actual first AD as they discussed his blues documentary that he was filming at the time. This was 20 years ago. Mr. Scorsese was trying to retrieve the name of an artist and I supplied the answer. He whirled around and looked at me intensely. He brought me into the conversation and talked for the rest of the day. A truly wonderful rare experience. That's amazing. That is dynamite stuff. I want to know what the blues guy was though that Scorsese couldn't think of who you filled in the blank with. Um, And pretty awesome that you're actually working with Larry David and you're obsessed with Scorsese (laughs) and you get to meet Scorsese. That's awesome. Um, To the dude who hit me up, whose dad played guitar in George Jones's band, we had a nice exchange. I I can't find the exchange. Um, I'm not sure where it was, if it was on Instagram or if it was uh, a text, but I want to tell you, I want to, Tell your dad's story that you're talking about, especially with this George Jones and Tammy Wynette Showtime thing that's happening this series. So if you're listening, hit me up again, and um, I'll make sure I get into it in the next After Party. I love these stories, guys. Keep them coming. Hit me up on voicemail or text at 617-906-6638 or on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at DisgracelandPod. I will be back in a flash. Hey, are you guys proud dog owners like I am? You ever wonder why so many dogs are suffering from health issues? Actress, Catherine Heigl, you know, Catherine Heigl from Knocked Up. She's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation. And she says that she's seeing more issues with dogs, joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, Catherine feels that there's one place that we can all look to improve our dog's health. And that is their food. Many dog foods can actually create toxins that can be wrecking our dog's health. Okay, and this is true even for many of the premium dog food brands. However, by just adding a few special superfoods to our dog's diets, we can see huge transformations in their health. Katherine Heigel has already done this. She's made a video about it. You guys need to watch this video. It's a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. This worked amazingly for my dog, Dusty. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin, uh, healthier coat. Dusty's coat looks fantastic. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com disgraceland and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash disgraceland. Come join me and your fellow discos at Disgraceland. All access by visiting DisgracelandPod.com slash membership. All right, it is the recommendations part of the show. I love this part. I feel like we got to get some theme music for this part. We need to brand this part, as they say in the biz whatever biz that is, I'm not sure, but some like old school, cheesy, like 90s television, sitcom television theme, like uh, toss salad and scrambled eggs, some Frasier, some, um, uh, men, 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 what's that two and a half men theme that comes to mind. What's the mad about you theme? That will be good. Something like that. Maybe we can put something together here for the Rex part, the recommendations part. Is that what we're calling this? What I'm reading, what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, um, yeah, I don't know if we should do it or if maybe one of you guys can do it, but something something we should talk about and figure out. All right, um, I need your help, everyone. I need a 30-minute television show that I can watch that's light, that's streamable, that's on one of the services, nothing heavy. I'm just like I'm caught in this thing right now where I don't have a show. You know, I don't have like an end-of-the-night show. And to give you a little context, I like to – this is sort of my end-of-night ritual – My wife can't fall asleep without the television. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are like this at all. I I, so basically, I got to get her to go to sleep. My kids to go to sleep. Then I get my wife to go to sleep, and then I can go to then I can begin to go to sleep. And that's a whole other thing that we're not even going to talk about yet. But for my wife, we usually watch like we did Seinfeld the entire thing like three times. Curb your enthusiasm, uh, which is we didn't do the entire thing because it's just too awkward and too. It just tweaks me out. Uh, arrested Development, which The Office. Trying to think what else was recent. Big Mouth. We're big into Big Mouth now. This is honestly like the third time I've watched it. It's so freaking good. But something like that, light thirty minutes max, and you know it's just like it's not going to make me think about work. It's not going to stress me out. It's not going to make me think about politics or the world or anything like that. Like just a nice little salve before bed. That's what I need. You got any recommendations, send them my way. Um, in the last week since we spoke, I watched two movies on Netflix, Glass Onion, the Knives Out thing there um, by Ryan C. Johnson, and White Noise, the Noah Baumbach film. And I'm actually shocked to report that I I liked Glass, the Glass Onion thing more than I liked the the Bombach white noise and i'm a big noah Bombach fan uh but this movie was a letdown compared to his last the marriage story which i think was his last film or even his which i think is his first film kicking and screaming which i loved love 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 that's on netflix watch that if you haven't not the will ferrell kicking and screaming the noah Bombach kicking and screaming big difference watch the Bombach one uh And, of course, Squid and the Whale. You've all seen that, I'm sure. And I love Adam Driver, who stars in White Noise. I just didn't love the movie. I didn't love what it had to say. I didn't love how they said it. But I did love the end credit sequence with the LCD sound system song. I won't spoil what this ending is, but if you have not seen the movie, you are in for a real treat because the end credit scene is pure joy. And don't don't not watch the movie because I said I didn't like it. Not like you'll do that. Not like you trust me that much. But yeah, I'm not trying to give it a bad review. and be like, Fuck that movie. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just did not love it like I love some of his other movies. By all means, watch this movie. You'll probably love it. And it's Noah Baumbach. He's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. So you're not, it's not like you're going to watch crap. Uh, the end credit scene though is amazing. Watch it just for that. Which begs the question here. What is the best end credit sequence in a film? Uh, two that come to my mind immediately the Goodfellas ending with Joe Pesci and Sid Vicious and The Hangover Part 1, I guess, the Polaroid thing. That was amazing. No one left. Everyone stayed glued to their seats. Um, what else? What am I forgetting? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but let me know. Uh, hit me up. Text me. Call me. 617-966-6038. Text me at DisgracelandPod, Instagram, Twitter, etc. Uh, Like I said, I dug... I dug the Glass Onion thing, the Knives Out movie, Ed Norton. Hard not to like Ed Norton for me. I love him in kind of everything, I think. I can't think of anything I didn't like Ed Norton in. Um, I even like that Hulk movie he did. Um, This is a big, fun whodunit. You cannot go wrong. There's a reason it's been on the top of the Netflix charts for a while. But then again, so is White Noise. So, like I said, what do I know? What are you guys watching? What's the best end credit sequence in a film? Call me, text me, 617-906-6638. And let me know. Let me know on the socials. DM me at Pod. All right, what have I been listening to? I've been listening to a lot of the Grateful Dead since we last spoke. Trying to push my dead listening beyond just the basics. As you probably saw on social media or heard me on our Instagram live stream last week, which we do on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, by the way. Uh, that's tonight, if you're getting this on a Thursday, um, at Pod. Uh We're we're wading into Dick's Picks, and it's uh, a lot. There's a lot, and I'm not a deadhead, even though I have a podcast on the dead. Um, I have friends who are major deadheads, part of the dead world, I am not one of you, um, but I want you know. Every now and then, this happened the other night. This is what kicked this all off. My friend Kilty, who for better or worse is a deadhead, many of you know him. He texted me out of the blue, and it was just this set at the Worcester Centrum in nineteen ninety four, maybe. No, he died. Jerry died in ninety four, so maybe it was like ninety or ninety two or something. I don't know when it was, but it was so good. It was so good. Jerry Garcia just playing his ass off, like, face-melting lead guitar from Jerry. Like, the thing that deadheads tell you about at a party that you're just like, dude, shut the fuck up. I heard it, man. I heard it. And you know I'm having a hard time finding that stuff on my own. And you go on Spotify and there's just dick's picks for days. Dick picks for days. Dick's picks for days. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know where to start. And I've tried, I've dabbled. I've I've jumped into the dick's picks and it's like they're just there's too many dicks pics, and I don't know. I get in there, and I'm like, "This isn't good. What the fuck?" And don't tell me about Cornell '77. I know about that. I know about Europe '72. Like I said, I know the basic stuff. Not that that stuff is basic sounding. It's incredible. But that's the level I'm looking for. I want, I want the other stuff, the secret stuff that you deadheads know about, the choice nugs, as you say. <laughs> uh, someone on Instagram, Sean Coger. I think I got your name right here. I hope so, dude. If not, I apologize. Uh, Sean recommended the Wake Up to Find Out live set from Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, back in 1990. I checked it out. Most of it is stellar. It's great. It's awesome, especially the Branford Marcellus stuff. So that's what I'm looking for. Don't recommend that because obviously I'm onto it. Um, If there's a particular Dick's Picks that you're into, or if not, if not, and you just have your own method to wading into this morass of dead, let me know. And I'll and I'll I'll try I'll try your stuff. Otherwise I'm just shooting from the hip and it's I don't have time. I got other stuff to do, other stuff to listen to. Like Stevie Ray Vaughn. I don't know why I've been listening to a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughn lately. No reason really. Something came across, you know, the scrolls or whatever and it hooked me back in. Um on the disgrace on the Disgraceland Facebook group page, there's been a torrid Stevie Ray versus Jimi Hendrix debate. It's been fun to watch. Turns out there was beef between Stevie Ray Vaughan and David Bowie. I didn't know this. Did you guys know this? I knew Stevie played on Let's Dance. Amazing song, by the way. But I didn't know they had beef. Uh, feels like I need to do some Stevie Ray Vaughan research, and maybe there's a Stevie Ray Vaughan episode coming up sooner than I thought. Speaking of David Bowie, it was just his birthday, and there is a previously exclusive episode of David Bowie available in your podcast Right now, at this very moment, David Bowie, as we were discussing on Instagram last weekend, like I said, shared a birthday with Elvis Presley, January 8th, and on Elvis's birthday this past Sunday, Turner Classic Movies, probably my favorite TV network, by the way, ran a whole bunch of Elvis content, including an amazing live set from 1970 in Vegas, Hot Damn! Incredible! My wife and I could not take our eyes away. We didn't even want to watch it. It was we had something else we were watching. This Alan Alda Four Seasons, Carol Burnett. Go watch that, by the way, if you're into that kind of thing. I am. It's great. Uh, we wanted to finish watching that. We couldn't. We couldn't stop watching Elvis on TCM. Just burning up the house. It was amazing. Uh, watched it. Watched it until it wrapped. It was nuts. Check that out if you can. Um, does that cover all the recommendations? What I'm re- No, not what I'm reading. I'm reading an autobiography on Dale Earnhardt Jr. written during his rookie NASCAR year called Driver 8. Pretty damn entertaining. Awesome guy. Awesome sport. Highly recommend if you're a NASCAR fan or actually if you're a NASCAR fan, you probably already know about this book. But if you're looking for an entry into NASCAR uh, or if you're just a fan of big, talented personalities, check out Driver 8. Uh, as always, I want to know what you guys are reading. I want to know what you guys are watching and what you're listening to. Call, text 617-906-6638 or hit me up on social at DisgracelandPod. Chris on it. I see you. I will get to your many recommendations shortly. Thank you for sending them. Don't ever stop. Back at all of you in a bit. Alrighty, let's recap, shall we? Number one, Disgraceland is now available wherever podcasts are available. Number two, you have 14 previously exclusive episodes available for you to listen to right now in your feed. Stone Cold Future Classics on Oasis, Grant Parsons, The Beatles, David Bowie, The Ramones, Lil Wayne, Lil Peep, and more. Number three, the next thing hitting your feed this coming Tuesday is the previously exclusive episode on Pantera that if you have not heard this one, well, I... I wish I was you, man, just so I could experience this for the first time again because it's that fucking good. What can I say? You don't want to miss it. Dime bag forever. Number four, I don't have a four, just to say, hang in there. It's January. Take it easy. Don't try to live the whole year in 31 days. It's a marathon, is what I'm saying. All right, my moment is in. Me reading the phone book from 1943 in Pennsylvania for no other reason than my stomach is growling. And this was the easiest vintage phone book to find before I go eat dinner. So here. You go. Armstrong, Daryl, South Carnegie Ave 2090 M. Arnold, Harry, North Cottage Avenue, 854-J. Arrow Furniture, West Crawford Ave 1327. Artists, Walter L. East Apple Avenue, 1465-M. Artsman, Walter, South Cannondale Road, 199-W. Atkins, HF, 137 West Crawford Ave, 2162. Austin, Norman, 131 South Pittsburgh, 2702-J. Babbage, Louise, 91 Willis Road, 568. Bear, Ollie, 1586. Baltimore Oil and Railroad, Freight Station, Water Station, 832. Master Mechanic, Central Yard, 173. Quit talking and start mixing.